Explicit subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Zoe's Eye. The word droidica is a portmanteau of the basic word droid and the colicoid for servant. The indomitable battle droids were fashioned in the image of their creators, the insectoid colicoids. Both the droid and the species in whose image they were created could roll into a defensible rolling sphere, thus protecting their vital organs with plate-like carapace. In the case of droidicas, they had plates of reinforced, blaster-resistant armor. Feared and demonized throughout the galaxy due to a largely accurate reputation for consuming sentient flesh, Colicoids joined the Confederacy of Independent Systems during the Clone Wars. To bolster their economy during the fighting, they established a mining operation on the oddly shaped world of Kessel in the Ma Cluster. The planet's thin atmosphere was a byproduct mostly of industry. Although there was adequate atmospheric pressure for most beings to survive, an oxygen mask had to be worn. Kessel was rocky and covered in impact craters and canyons. Its shape is highly irregular for an object of its size, and has been described as resembling a potato. Mysterious ruins dot the landscape, often guarded by the skeletons of an unknown avian species. While Kessel is famous for its mining industry, it might be more accurate to say that it was farmed. The resource that the colicoids were after was a unique animal product called glitter stim. The substance was consumed across the galaxy for its psychoactive and medicinal properties. It was extracted from the web of a large arachnid species that lived in Kessel's vast subterranean networks. Few other animals survived in the inhospitable world, although hawk bats and bogies also lived in the subterranean ecosystem. When processing the webs, workers could easily cut themselves on the dense and sharp webs. It was worth the risk, however, as throughout galactic history, drugs in general, and spice in particular, have been lucrative commodities. Slithmongers.
You want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life? I want to go home and rethink my life. Balasaur was a highly industrialized world. Its urban development was similar to that seen on Terrace or Narshada. The skyscrapers reach such a height that the sun never reached the lower levels of its city. Industrial pollution was so extreme that it compromised breathing. The high concentration of toxins in the atmosphere eventually caused the Balasaur species to adapt at the population level. Their bodies developed the ability to filter out many of the dangerous chemicals in their atmosphere. This process appears to have been a more generalized adaptation, as it also conferred on them the ability to take higher doses of various drugs with fewer negative side effects than most sentients. Many balasars were stricken by poverty. In order to cope with the stress of their ruinous planetary environment and their hopeless economic status, many turned to drugs. Dream dust could take them away from their dire situation for a little while. Vrasa eased the pain of their illness-riddled lives. Death sticks could induce a hallucinatory experience, vivid enough to temporarily kill all their problems while also shortening their lives with each dose. In caves beneath the surface, the ballo mushroom grew, and from this a chemical called acetyl salona was extracted, the main ingredient of death sticks. Death sticks became big business, used by addicts and thrill seekers the galaxy over. Some enterprising balasar went into the world's healthiest economic sector and sold narcotics. Such merchants are commonly called slithmongers throughout the galaxy, although the word refers to any being in the trade. Wherever there are high concentrations of poverty, violence, and death, slithmongers peddle their wares to sentients only too happy to exchange their health and money for brief periods of bliss. Just as the galaxy teems with biodiversity, so too is it rich in psychoactive drugs of abuse. Tourism to Balasar was discouraged due to its hazardous atmosphere, lack of natural beauty, and decaying infrastructure. Many of its natives were desperate to get off the world. Sometime before 22 BBY, a Balasar named Ellen Sabagno alias Ellen Sleesbagano, was accepted into the University of Coruscant Medical School. Although this planet was more affluent than home, it was perhaps too familiar to him. Ilan answered the siren call of scum and villainy echoing from the lower levels of Coruscant. He fell in with a bad crowd and eventually stole medicine from the university's supplies. He sold these to a slithmonger called Hat Low, and soon left school to pursue a career in unregulated pharmaceuticals, eventually becoming addicted himself. The infamous Outlander Club became one of Ilan's regular haunts. 
From there, he dealt death sticks to the patrons, who perhaps were flush with cash after gambling on one of the club's many games, or who wanted to escape the crushing burden of poorly placed bets. When a Jedi visited the club during an investigation, Elon solicited his wares. Unimpressed, the Jedi used his force powers to make Elon leave and rethink his life. The technique worked, and Elon quit using Death Sticks cold turkey. However, he soon rejoined the underworld and began dealing weapons and other contraband. At some point during the Clone Wars, he had another change of heart and attempted to educate others about the dangers of drug use. After the Empire nationalized the spice operation on Kessel, a male Ryben named Marth Duel began working as an administrator there. The mines became a penal colony where countless of criminals and political prisoners were worked to death in near pitch darkness in the mines. Glitterstim was highly photoactive in its uncompressed form, and as such the mine was lit in a dim red, giving it an overall infernal aesthetic. Duel secured profits earned by the mine for himself and imported female ribats for him to mate with. He used his resulting offspring as additional labor and would eat them before adulthood when they could pose a threat to him. Although Duel was ostensibly a government administrator, he moonlighted as a slithmonger himself. Like many in his trade, he could not resist the temptation of the product he sold. He was himself addicted to glitter stim. He brokered deals with huts and was instrumental in distributing imperial glitter stim to the black market. This activity attracted the attention of imperial internal affairs, although he would never face imperial justice. Alcohol. Barky. Get me something tall, frothy, and life-threatening. Marn Hieroglyph in a Tellerath Cantina. Alcohol may be the most ubiquitous drug in the galaxy. There are probably nearly as many varieties of it as there are sentient species. Usually, it is made from fermenting or distilling plant matter, though some bacterial species are known to produce it from consuming rocks, and one insect species produces it from their glands. When consumed, ethanol, the psychoactive component of alcohol, has wide-ranging effects on a being's neurobiology. In animals like humans, it can affect a wide range of neurotransmitters like GABA, serotonin, and dopamine. Changes in the concentration or production of these chemicals then affect the user's behavior and perceptions. Other species likely have analogous nerve systems and neuropeptides to humans, since many species experience similar effects. In moderation, alcohol can cause feelings of euphoria, conviviality, and relaxation. At higher doses, aggression, impulsive decisions, and acute toxicity can occur. Most beings tolerate a moderate dose of alcohol periodically, but addiction is very common. In addition to the addictive process, a being can become physically dependent on alcohol. When an addicted being misses their dose of alcohol, they will begin to exhibit symptoms of a syndrome called withdrawal, and in the worst cases, delirium tremens. 
Fevers, nausea, delusions, paranoia, agitation, insomnia, seizures, and virtually every unpleasant psychological state are experienced during alcohol withdrawal. Although many drugs have potentially dangerous withdrawal syndromes, for heavy drinkers, alcohol withdrawal can be deadly without supportive therapies. With all that in mind, most beings who drink will not become addicted to alcohol. Compared to many other drugs, alcohol is not socially condemned, as are many other substances, and is thus freely available, and its moderate consumption is tolerated in many societies. Some beings, therefore, do not consider alcohol to be a drug at all, since they don't have to find a slithmonger in some decrepit Narshada back alley to get it. Exotol Salona is sometimes added to alcoholic beverages, and there are a number of other exotic alcoholic formulations. Kilix, for example, can excrete an ethanol-containing substance called membrosia. In Kilic culture, as well as many others, substances like membrosia were entheogens. They were used for spiritual and religious ceremonies, and were thought to contain medicinal or supernatural properties. An entire class of beings existed with Kilic society called the membrosia givers, whose existence was devoted to producing the substance from a gland. Alcohol has long been known to impair a being's ability to operate heavy equipment, and membrosia has even been the causative factor in starship collisions. For reasons like this, the Galactic Empire prohibited operating heavy machinery under the influence of alcohol as a class 3 infraction. Corellians have earned a reputation as being hard drinkers. Given their traditionally headstrong nature and thirst for adventure, this is hardly a surprise. Many beings have observed that Corellians appear more resistant to intoxication than any other humans and species. Corellia was a major exporter of alcohol to the rest of the galaxy, which resulted in a negative stereotype about the swashbuckling society, with many believing they wanted to get the galaxy drunk and rob it blind. Although alcohol has the same effect across many species, there are exceptions. Toffs, for example, experienced heightened strength and stamina and greater focus while drunk, and typically engaged in battle while intoxicated. Zelosians displayed the symptoms of alcohol intoxication when they ate refined sugar, though alcohol had no effect on them. A large species of sentient plant called the Aragesh were completely resistant to alcohol. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given their lack of addiction, Aragesh society is remarkably egalitarian and free of poverty or crime with the exception of a brief period during a recurring astronomical event in their homeworld. The negative effects of alcohol varied across species as well. The Ropagu abstained from intoxicants altogether due to their sensitive nervous systems. Gans were far more likely to only experience the depressant effects of alcohol, while Yuzum had nearly interminable hangovers. Jedi had their connection to the Force dampened while drunk, although there were force techniques that allowed them to consume large amounts of alcohol without becoming intoxicated. Crash and Burn Any good slithmonger knows that the key to a healthy business is having a diverse, well-stocked inventory. Death Sticks and countless spice variants feature in the standard Slithmonger's wares. Given alcohol's almost universally socially approved status, they usually don't trade in that. The rest of the alkaloids peddled throughout the galaxy 
are too numerous to list, but a brief examination of the most flamboyant will be illustrative of the size and scope of the matter. While a habit of indulging in some drugs has relatively minor, if any, negative health effects, many can lead to a fiery downward spiral for their users. Neclonian lava extract, for example, routinely liquefied the internal organs of users. For those who overdosed, spontaneous combustion has been observed. Presumably, the primary effect of the drug must have been powerful indeed to establish itself as a beloved drug on Niklon. Muratine, though limited in its recreational use, was used in psychological warfare and could trigger users to become suicidal. Although many drugs were made illegal under the Galactic Empire, Imperials were not above indulging. Some Force-sensitive guards, for example, were given drugs like Black Hole or Brain Jagger, and through the use of the Force could make their effects permanent. Grand Moff Militant Tackle was a notorious drug abuser, or Glit Biter, as some of his peers referred to him behind his back. The Ballow Mushroom was not the only hallucinogenic fungi. Ice mushrooms found throughout the galaxy had analgesic as well as healing properties when ingested. The planet Ord Cestus was well known for an ecosystem that contained many medicinal plants, including fantasy mushrooms, known to be as delicious as they were psychedelic. On Aduba 3, beings chewed Luna weed. The habit became infamous for the madness eventually experienced by its adherents. Eventually, chewing the Luna weed became an expression synonymous with mental illness in Aduban vernacular. The thistle bush provided the inhabitants of Harun Kal with an excellent harvest. Its bark, when chewed raw, was profoundly hallucinogenic. Its effects were considered to be on par with spice. A single dose of the chewed bark was known to permanently alter brain chemistry. If roasted, however, the effects were comparable to alcohol. On beautiful Naboo, a large flower with crimson and indigo leaves grows in particularly fertile areas. The millaflower is a popular cultivar of the Gungans, both for its aesthetic beauty and its psychiatric applications. When inhaled by oxygen-breathing species, this airborne substance gives, causes feelings of relaxation and ease. When extracted and refined, the chemical was used as a medical-grade tranquilizer. Like many such drugs, however, great care had to be taken in the dose. The line between tranquilization and death can be thin. The cochlea was another animal source of drugs in the galaxy. If scared, these jellyfish-like beings excreted an ichor-like substance. Shortly after the Battle of Naboo, beings began ingesting the ichor. 
and the interactions of these gastronauts with the Jedi, they believed the Ikor gave them resistance against mind tricks. A new product began appearing in black markets, catering to those who needed to battle wits against the Jedi. Poachers flocked to a gas giant called Ganarius, where the Cochlera floated through a turbulent and lightning-filled atmosphere. When captured, the poachers would pierce the Cochlera with sharp implements and drain the animal of its fluids. Despite a deep reservoir of anecdotes attesting to its effectiveness, the causal relationship between consuming Jedi mind juice and resisting the Force has never been conclusively proven. Though more well known as fierce if diminutive warriors, Ewoks had a deep spiritual tradition rooted in shamanism. Their shamans dug up Itasi root from the forest floor. They then ground it up into a fine powder called shadow paw. During ceremonies, they smoked the powder out of a long bone pipe. Eventually, offworlders learned of the practice and began exporting shadow paw to cantinas and drug dens. Snuff, like alcohol, came in many varieties. Multiple cultures across the galaxy developed a tradition of cultivating and using snuff. Beings inhaled it through their noses, a behavior medically known as insufflation. The sources of snuff were variable and included fungal and botanical de derived forms. One of the more common botanical varieties was tobacco. This stimulant was also often dried and rolled in a tube of paper called a cigarette, which could be smoked. The spice must flow. There are two ways of doing business with spice. Lie, and then lie some more. Unknown spice smuggler. The term spice can be confusing. It may refer to a certain forms of seasoning like pepper. For the purposes of this discussion, however, spice refers to a huge variety of especially potent and valuable drugs. Why some drugs, like glitter stim, are referred to as spice while others like death sticks are not, is something of an etymological mystery. It may be that drugs which are refined into a powder form are more likely to be called spice, though there are certainly many in insufflated drugs which are not called spice. Although many forms of spice were the result of natural processes and could be collected and used raw, others were created in laboratory settings, like more conventional drugs. A general theme of harsh conditions and sentient right violations tends to be present on many spice-producing worlds. There are many terms particular to the world of spice and its connoisseurs. A glitbiter is an addict, typically to glitter stim. On Corellia, security officers use the term to refer to those who ate spice in its raw form. 
A cutter was a person who processes spice for sale or who prepares it to be consumed for another person. A handful of worlds have throughout history produced a large proportion of the galaxy's spice. Kessel produced the most of any world. But there were several other prominent spice-producing planets. The dusty red mid-rim world of Mongaza had extensive spice ore mining operations at one point, bested only by Kessel. Eventually, many sections of the mines were used as part of an exciting and dangerous pod racing course. Next to Kessel, one of the most infamous spice production centers was Ryloth, homeworld of the Twi'lek species. Like Kessel, the world is barely habitable. It has a razor-thin atmosphere, a rugged and rocky surface, and is prone to extreme weather events. Heat storms can start suddenly and reach temperatures of up to 300 degrees Fahrenheit, annihilating any being too slow to escape. Settlements are built in caves and tunnels to avoid the elements on the surface. Ryloth society is structured around a rigid caste system, and slavery has been practiced on the world for generations. Many Twi'leks have been sold away from their native world to underworld corners of the galaxy. At some points, Twi'lek slavers sought to subvert anti-slavery legislation by selling quote-unquote contracts rather than actual beings. But the indentured servitude this led to was little different in practice from slavery. Aside from slaves, one of the biggest exports of Ryloth was a spice called Rill. Although it was often mined by slave labor, it was exported for an ethical purpose. Many important medicines were manufactured with Rill, although it did have a dark side and was commonly used recreationally. During the Old Republic era, Neomodian companies were the primary distributors of Rill. The product was massively successful, to the point of addicting an entire species. The properites became widely homicidal under the influence of the drug, eventually threatening the safety of its Neomodian slithmongers. They then hired gank mercenaries from Nar Shaddaa as protection. The ganks decided that it would be easier to simply kill all of the properites rather than wait around for the real addled beings to attack. They successfully carried out this genocide and went on to lose a war against the Galactic Republic. The Jedi Knights, Quinlan Voss and Ayla Sakura, once became embroiled in a kidnapping and spice manufacturing plot on Ryloth. When they visited during the Clone Wars, some enterprising slithmongers discovered that if the energy spiders from Kessel were fed Rill, the spice harvested from their webs would have a different effect. The novel variant was branded as Glitterill and carried a, the peculiar effect of inducing amnesia in users, making them susceptible to enslavement. This was attempted on Voss and Sakura, but enslaving a Jedi is often considerably more hazardous than with other beings. The scheming of the slaving slithmongers was ultimately done by Voss, destroying the main production equipment for Glitterill. 
that is, the spice spiders fed a diet of rill. Although this largely halted the production of the drug, by the Battle of Yavin nearly 20 years later, some smugglers were hauling it again. The wind-scarred world of Severkos, too, had a spice industry comparable to Kessel's. Beneath the planet's arid surface lay a vast network of subterranean tunnels. These warrens were the habitats of spice eels, the most dangerous fauna found on the world. Savari clans, ruled by spice lords, hunted the eels for food. These impressive creatures could grow up to 30 meters. They were attracted to the activities of spice mining underground, and historically were a menace to the miners. Deep underground, a spice variant called carsanimum was mined in an ore form before being refined later. Carsunum had the same sort of euphoric and stimulant properties as many other spice varieties, although it had an extremely unpleasant hangover and was considered dangerous and was usually illegal. Andrus was the most common spice in the galaxy and had a number of engineering and culinary applications. When highly refined and concentrated, it could be psychoactive and addictive. Severkos too was rich in spice variants, so much so that they were the only products exported from the world. Spice was so ubiquitous on the world that most sentients could become intoxicated from spending time outdoors on a windy day due to inhaling spice particles, a phenomenon called catching the wind. During the reign of the Galactic Empire, the industry there was nationalized and tightly regulated, with a blockade being set up permanently around the world to safeguard its precious resources. Mine troopers were deployed during this period. These elite members of stormtrooper corps were experts in subterranean operations and served primarily as taskmasters for the prisoners sent to work the mines. As on Kessel, a sentence to the spice mines of Severkos II was widely considered to be a cruel form of capital punishment. Rory, the largest moon of Naboo, also held large reserves of spice. The world was a kind of dark mirror to Naboo, with many similar flora and fauna, but all of it vicious and twisted to adapt to more severe ecological conditions. Although it may have had human spice miners earlier in its history, they had all but disappeared by the late Republic era. The Yugan miners were known to be harshly critical of coexistence between humans and Gungans and were implicated in assassination attempts on Naboo's royal family. Not all that glitters is gold. After ingestion, glitterstim induces a brief sensation of euphoria, increased focus, and most notably, telepathy. It was a dangerous thing to indulge in, and many users have met their demise via overdose throughout history. Glitterstim had neurotoxic effects if used frequently, possibly through mechanisms like delayed apoptosis, the death of neurons after an extended period of stimulation, and autophagy, 
neurons in essence cannibalizing one another for nutrients. Addictions led to debilitating symptoms like blindness, anxiety, psychomotor agitation, and paranoia. Glitterstim was produced primarily on Kessel throughout history. The frightening energy spiders living in the world's caves spun webs that were then harvested and processed into the drug. While most arachnids spin their silk from a gland in their thorax, energy spiders spun it from their mouths. They were carnivorous, and any miners caught too far from well-patrolled paths were caught in the spider's web and eaten. By 11 ABY, General Solo of the New Republic was quite familiar with Kessel and the space-time disturbances that abounded in the Maw Cluster. In a previous career, he even made extensive use of those disturbances to complete the nearly suicidal Kessel run in under 12 parsecs. Combining his navigator Chewbacca's knowledge of Klatovac Guild astronavigation charts and his own piloting abilities, a young Han Solo made a name for himself on many spice smuggling runs from Kessel. He knew the reputation of living conditions for prisoners working the mines in the penal colony there. Solo and Chewbacca were captured by Kessel's administrator, Duel, and sent to work the mines. Eventually, with the help of a condemned young Force-sensitive, the rebel heroes escaped. In typical Solo style, he didn't leave without creating a wake of destruction in his footsteps. Duel's offspring and vengeful mates were set loose on the administrator, and they chased him into the depths of the mines. In the darkness, he was consumed by energy spiders. Not long after, all of the prisoners on Kessel were liberated by the New Republic. Business magnate Lando Calrissian then acquired ownership of the spice mining operation and began hiring employees to work it. Gone was the penal colony, and in its place a respectable business was set up. In particular, Calrissian sought to hire insectoid species like the colicoids, who would not find the subterranean and lightless nature of the mine distressing, as they were far more many anthropoids. Given his connections with the New Republic, the glitterstim exported from Kessel during this time was likely sold largely to the government for its more traditional use in medicine. With a mind always looking to maximize profits, Calrissian set about an ambitious project of glitterstim cultivation away from the energy spider's natural habitat, in this way sponsoring advances in xenozoology. During his tenure, agents working for Calrissian discovered a red subspecies of energy spider. The red spiders were notable for having fungiparous diets or even sold at the Coruscant Livestock Exchange. No considerable glitterstim production centers have been established outside of Kessel, however. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description 
or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores Podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. We are in the uh, Kessel sector, coming in on the Ma cluster. So we got to get through this discussion fast. <laughs> got to make it in under twelve parsecs. Uh, I just wanted to talk briefly. About Is there a substance we can use to help us with that? <laughs> uh, possibly some glitter stim, <laughs> and hopefully we would, we don't go blind because we got to. <laughs> dodge all the asteroids and black holes and stuff out there in the cluster. So I did want to talk about the much-famed Kessel Run. <laughs> uh, just to make sure I get all the details right, this is just reading straight off Wikipedia. So the Kessel Run was a 20-parsec route used by smugglers to move glitter stim spice from Kessel to an area south of the Ciclata Cluster without getting caught by the Imperial ships that were guarding the movement of spice from Kessel's mines. A parsec is a unit of distance, not time. Solo was not referring directly to his ship's speed when he made this claim. Instead, he was referring to the shorter route he was able to travel by skirting the nearby Ma Black Hole Cluster, thus making the run in under the standard distance by moving closer to the black holes Solo managed to cut the distance down to about 11.5 parsecs. A smuggler named Boshek at one point beat the record, although he did it without cargo, which apparently makes a big difference. Because your ship is lighter in space maybe. when there's no friction. Yes. <laughs> but uh, maybe it has something to do with hyperspace and mass shadows. And who knows? A magic science, maybe? Of some <laughs> magic kind. science. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Han Solo later beat even Boshek's beating of his record. <laughs> and him and Luke had a little race through the uh, Maw cluster, I take it. Was it the Falcon versus the X-Wing? I assume that's what it was, but nice. I, haven't, I haven't actually read th that uh, particular title. It's, it's funny how much they invested in trying to explain away a throwaway line. <laughs> that didn't make sense. Kessel is pretty huge throughout Legends lore. Yeah, it comes up quite a few times, but I mean, even just like the uh, the, the Kessel Run, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One throwaway line that Han says in a bar to sound cool. <laughs> yeah. Whoever wrote it is just like space words. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I know what we're doing. And then years later, we have to explain black holes and stuff to make it work. <laughs> Classic Star Wars. <laughs> yep. W what do you think of the uh, how they did it in 
Disney Wars in the solo film. I still haven't finished solo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I started it and I haven't finished it yet. Well, the the big thing from my end is just that it's it's no longer a potato shaped planet. It's just a regular sphere. Yeah. And that seems like a although in Legends material there's some video game where it's also depicted as as being a sphere, but generally in all the Legends material it's this oddly shaped world that's sort of indicative of something more going on beyond the surface because as we'll get into in our xenoarchaeology episode there's some celestial things going on deep within Kessel and then there's those sort of mysterious ruins and stuff so it's like something clearly happened to this planet and you can tell I think I don't think I could find uh, its mass listed on Wikipedia but generally how planetary evolution works is that uh when you reach a certain mass, you're pretty much always going to be something close to a sphere, right? You only yeah. get oddly shaped objects like Kessel if it's right. small. So the only way Kessel could be like that is if it was like exploded from the inside. Yeah, yeah. Like Malachor, it would have to be deformed by yeah. something. Or a gigantic impact yeah. crater. And then you know that Kessel's big enough that it sort of should be a sphere because it also has a smaller moon orbiting it. And that's the Imperial Garrison moon. And that moon is a sphere. So it's like you can sort of infer then that Kessel's mass is like a regular planet. It's just this super weird shape. At some point, it must have been a sphere, we're guessing. Yeah, Yeah, I would guess. Although there is even just within like uh, the evolution of solar systems, there's sort of it's a big open question of how exactly you get from rocks about the size of a basketball to rocks the size of an earth right the, the uh, one earth-sized rock please <laughs> the, the models at least from what i understand can't really accurately predict how that happens and it's it's a bit of a mystery but anyway uh, about kessel it's got all your spice in there and so spice is of course another dune similarity indeed and, uh, there's this idea it comes up with Castle and then also in on Savarkos too, uh, you find out that the empire is like hugely. They've got their they're elbow deep in spice production on Castle and Savarkos, right? They've got these gigantic uh, blockades around them, and spice does have applications in medicine other than Bacta, apparently. So we discovered I discovered this in this episode that uh, spice is sort of the other main magic medicine in addition to Bacta and, and Colto. I, I kind of uh, was almost a, a little surprised that the the Empire did not outlaw Spice entirely. The Empire has a kind of a mixed uh, relationship with criminality. They are like the law and order, but they also are heavily invested in, like they often they have uh, alliances with the Huts, for example. Right. So... Um, I don't know. Exactly. They left that industry open to appease the huts or something. Not so much for appeasement, but I think it's just easier instead of having to send garrisons to control hut space. You can just buy off the huts to control it for you. Yeah, and just kind of elements like that, or like it's a general idea of corruption. Like even though the empire again, it's also kind of the idea of the narco state. Right. Exactly. So, like corruption, even even as an empire, the corruption is still there. Right. They they side with the the bad guys criminal empires and whatever else. And Morath Duel, that uh, male ribbit who unsurprisingly 
given that his name is Ribbit, looks like a frog. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Rabbit. But. Yeah. Um, he was also an Imperial officer and he was getting high on his own supply at, at Kessel, right? So he was also an addict. And, and there's that moth. I think he was a grand moth, maybe. Maybe it was just a regular moth, militant tackle. And he was a, a spice addict. And I'm sure yeah. lots of higher levels. I, I wouldn't be like it wouldn't surprise me at all if like the elites were. Yeah, were it's like real life, using, right? Like cocaine yeah. is illegal for everyone. Yeah, but if you're a you know a high level lawyer, or government official, yeah. you know you might be working with uh, bringing or importing <laughs> illegal spice into your country. Is <laughs> is Kessel like the Columbia of our world? <laughs> I think it basically is. Yes. And what's that other world like, Kessel? Savarkos. Is it like the Afghanistan of? <laughs> yes, actually, much more like the Afghanistan. Because uh, I was going to bring this up because on Savarkos too, you've got spice eels. And what's that like other than the sandworm right, doom, yeah, yeah. which produces the spice? Although it looks like from what I found, it doesn't look like spice eels necessarily produce spice. They're just a, attracted to it or something. Yeah. But Or they've adapted with it on the planet. Yeah. Some listener let us know if, you, if you've read the uh, specific property where spice eels appear and how exactly they plagiarize from Dune. Because <laughs> I even found some stuff about the life cycle of the spice eels that's like the same as the like whoever was writing this was clearly a big fan of Dune. Dune. <laughs> yeah. No one will notice if I exactly. <laughs> subtly lift elements. Very subtle. And uh Kevin J. Anderson, he's sort of on the Mount Rushmore of uh Star Wars Legends. Yeah, he's written a lot of Star Wars stuff. It's like him and Timothy Zahn yeah. and Tom Veitch, I would sort of put on that. They're the, the holy trinity. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he said that there were some politically correct folks at Lucasfilm who didn't want him to use spice as a drug. But the reason why he wanted... I mean... <laughs> Kevin J. Anderson wasn't using spice, but <laughs> <laughs> he may have been, but that's besides the point. That's how he writes his best Star Wars work. Yeah. He was uh, writing something about spice, and the editors were like, oh, no, we can't have them using drugs. That's not okay for Lucasfilm. And then Kevin J. Anderson went over his editor's heads and, did and, it and asked George Lucas. <laughs> and George Lucas was like, no, spice is a drug. I, yeah. I wrote it in there. It's a drug. a drug. And so, obviously, Luke. Um, Kevin J. Anderson got his way and Spice has been far more integrated into the Star Wars storyline than a couple offhand references, references in the That first could have movie. been like maybe because it was from the 90s. He wrote a lot in the 90s. Like it, it was just a very much more taboo subject. Yeah, and sort of crystal meth was kind of a, like it's a, the height of the drug war dude. yeah it's yeah. it's the height of that sort of it's you know after school specials and, yeah. and like yeah. anti-drug PSAs messaging in and, schools yeah. and the, the do you guys remember the commercial with a the with eggs. an egg yeah. this is your brain on drugs <laughs> <Precisely>. <laughs> is the other one with the girl who smashes a frying pan oh i don't remember that one yeah <laughs> together anyhow yeah interesting and then there's a whole bunch of various spice variants like a a gigantic page full of them <laughs> we've got aura spice avabush spice booster blue carpo spice carcinum calafa spice corellian spice corellian sunburst crash and burn cr- uh, Cyrovial, Deluge, Doaki Spice, Doom Desire, Aldrat, Eng Spice, Fire Spice, <laughs> Ganaria, Narco Spice, Garco, 
Garcornian Spice, Giggle Dust, Glitter Stim, Glitteril, Grease Spice, Gilia, Gunjack, Gylan, Impact, Jerichnit, Karak. Should I keep going? Man. <laughs> Go through There's a, a lot. The whole alphabet. How did they build such a catalog? It's weird because, okay. I think every writer <laughs> probably... And this, by the way, it. is just spice. This yeah. isn't drugs that aren't considered <laughs> spice. That's a whole other category <laughs> that's like equally big. And that even breaks down into like euphoriance and stimulants and hallucinogens. <laughs> I had no idea there were so many drugs. weird drug references in Star Wars until this. But there's quite a few. <laughs> and then famously, Cade Skywalker was uh, addicted to death sticks. And the reason he took uh, death sticks was because it numbed his connection to the force, which uh, I won't spoil too much of Cade's backstory. That was something he needed. It also stopped his visions of Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker's force ghost would come back and and, haunt him and haunt him (laughs) and and he didn't really appreciate it. So he he thus became addicted to uh, death sticks. You want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> I love that guy's backstory, by the way. <laughs> Ellen Sleesbagano. He's got, he's got this whole thing where uh, he was a university student dropout and he stole a bunch of medical supplies. Very uh, true to life. Another great example of just one, like a couple frames. If you blink, you miss Ellen <laughs> in Attack of the Clones. After, I think... Uh, Obi-Wan takes a few shots of blue milk and then uses a Jedi force power, I assume, to clean his liver out because we know he's been uh, hitting the bottle pretty hard. (laughs) uh, That's the only way Obi-Wan could possibly have survived, which we learned, is if he's using Jedi powers to filter out his liver. Uh, But yeah, Ellen tried to sell him death sticks and then he became like one of those um, after-school special sort of anti-drug uh, activists like, almost go he's home like, and rethink his life and he yeah. yeah no but after that he was like handing out leaflets to, <laughs> to people <laughs> warning against the dangers of drugs yeah drug but then use. didn't he just go on to become an arms dealer yes <laughs> <laughs> it's the classic monkey paw scenario <laughs> stop using drugs start dealing arms <laughs> and another example of like just what a terror Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> has unleashed on the galaxy <laughs> really is in the Star Wars universe the man is a menace let <laughs> Darth Vader go <laughs> in an alternate timeline, he led um, Darth Maul go. <laughs> One after the other. One uh, after the other. Uh, so um, one thing I was kind of thinking of, and maybe I just, I, I'm not as familiar. There's so much content in Star Wars, but I know like, okay, so in modern day, there's sort of this fad of uh, becoming like a psychonaut and like... Um, uh, is there a Terrence McKenna of yeah. the Star Wars universe? Is that yeah. what you're asking? Well, it, no, I'm I'm more thinking like if anyone's thought about it more integrating that into like a Star Wars story where like you, you use a hallucinogen or something to ascend to a higher level, if you will, or like to tap into the force or something like that. You I mean, know? sort of Darth Vader has a version of that at least in the lore, it's not yeah. really expounded on too much in any specific material that I'm aware of, but we do know that part of his suit was drugs that sure. were administered. To yeah. Him. And it said that those are like Sith alchemical drugs. So I'm guessing they weren't like, I, yeah, I guess that is true. I'm guessing they, but weren't. there's no, not really any extrapolation on that. Like, yeah. Is it just no, on what their greater tradition of, of Sith 
no, just that what what the drugs are doing. Yeah, like it's just right, a painkiller because yeah. yeah. it's always in pain. I assume Actually, it's it might be a pain amplifier. Yeah, I, I assume <laughs> if it's Sith alchemy, yeah. then that means it's like something aggressive, kind of yeah. like what you take in say a video game. Sure, it's yeah. like you would think it would be. You know, increased strength, increased rage, as you yeah. say, or something like that. It it just seems like there'd be a, a lot of like actual interesting opportunities. You know, if you're say a Sith Lord and you wanted to explore the darker nature of this of the Force, you know, you go on this trip on a on some kind of spice, and then you know you have access to a whole new aspect of the force that you didn't understand before right? <laughs> yeah Yoda's secret yeah <laughs> that's why you talk I, about I think it would be like an interesting explore it like like plot device right to to use force, it, but because you're enhancing o- drugs yeah well you only uh, that um but or like so like especially in south america and stuff a lot of um Ayahuasca. and native cultures yeah the like, idea of the entheogen like like how we learned our that Ewoks are stoners, right? They're, <laughs> they're smoking the shadow paw yeah. all the time in their quote unquote shamanic rituals. Yeah. Yeah. Play yeah. a hacky sack up in the trees. Yeah. It's like more of like a, a, it's a religious thing as opposed to it's um, an entheogen, right? Yeah. It's not a drug. Yeah. And uh, subtle distinction. <laughs> yes. Because because most of the time, any mention of drugs or spice in Star Wars universe has a negative connotation. It, yeah. And it's mostly just as an illegal substance and people are smuggling it, right? Like a certain well, I mean, also like Sam said, they also have medical applications like spice. Sure, sure, yeah. But yeah, typically it's not a good thing. The Ewoks' use of shadow paw seem to have been conveyed in a positive light, and then that um, that flower from Naboo is also like yeah. That's I couldn't true. find any evidence that it was like really abused. It just was like Valium when you smelled it, right? Which seems like <laughs> pretty nifty. People never abuse Valium. Yeah. <laughs> which and and it also said that actually I, I do suspect that the Milla flower specifically works like Valium because it does say in in the Wikipedia that people can like overdose on it when using it appropriately, right. just like a tranquilizer, right? You just take a little a little too much and you stop breathing. So be careful when you're sniffing Milla flower on the boo kids. <laughs> kids. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not condoned. <laughs> uh, but about rituals, also in the, one of the Knights of the Old Republic novels, uh, that is sort of drugs are heavily implicated in the ritual to become an immortal Sith. Oh, okay. So like you have a constant stream of like drugs in your bloodstream for a while. Yeah, so some That's of those must be but yeah. then again, what you're talking about. Again, that. just with like Darth Vader though, we don't really get any specifics on what those drugs are doing to exactly. To, yeah. Like is he having some insane hellish yeah. uh, hallucinatory experience or yeah. something to maximize his Darth dark side aptitude yeah and as we know like from the the list that you read off like there must be so many uh it's gotta be out there somewhere yeah i mean just think about earth right how many drugs humans have figured out (laughs) it just you just do that same math trick that we always play in this in this show like okay so if there's Earth, just like do the Drake equation then. So for every Earth, you got to imagine... X number of Earth-like yeah. planets. Yeah. Then there's X <laughs> number of drugs on every planet. <laughs> yeah. so, and they're the all... potential is limitless. Yeah, exactly. The drugs are unique. Although you do see that, that weird cross-contamination of ecosystems because there's like the ice mushroom that grows on many worlds 
that kind of thing. And yeah. Then yeah. Banthas and that kind of thing. And even uh, Rosher trees appear on Andes Prime and on Kashik. Right. So you have a weird distributed ecosystem that we'll get into more on xenoarchaeology. Uh, yeah, anything else? What's your favorite drug in the Star Wars universe? Neclonian larva, <laughs> lava extract? You wanna... I've yet to try them all, so I'll get back to you when I'm done. <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. I'm just like alcohol. <laughs> Mem- what about membrosia? What if a giant ant man just squeezed it out of its thorax? <laughs> right um, into your mouth. That... Who knows? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's delicious. Maybe it's like slurm from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what it <laughs> what was. It's I wonder who lifted from who in that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, almost the same. No, Slurm predated it, it I'm pretty sure, predated the Killix. Because they were pretty close, man. Yeah. But Killix were like after Yuzhan Vong, right? Yeah. Early aughts. Yeah. So Yuzhan Vong ended in like what, 2000, 2001, something like that. I don't know. And I feel like the Slurm was in Futurama's first run before it got canceled Se- the first season time. One. Or, the first. Somewhere in like from season one to three. Right. A future, yeah. Get, get it was a really, it was future, an Futurama lores. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys think we can do that Kessel Run in under 12? If I uh, snort some Glitterstone, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to take some Alderanian snuff to keep me on my toes. May the folks be with you.